0: following message is from christian life austin for more information about christian life please visit clcaustin.com thank you for listening y'all are incredible you may be seated you're incredible people and jesus loves you and so do i what a joy to see you now i knew that the crowd would probably be a little challenged tonight and here's the reason why it is the first Wednesday night of school in AISD, and these mothers and fathers are trying to get their kids trained because they let them stay up till 11, 12, and God forbid, 1 o'clock in the morning. And those little babies have got to go to bed early now, and I understand that. And so they got them, and they're rustling them right now. They're getting out of the bath, and they're getting ready for bed. And they'll get them, they'll get them working, and then all of a sudden they'll realize they're not going to bed at 7 o'clock. They're waiting till 8. They're waiting until 9, and they'll be showing up again. Because that's the way it works. But I understand. Thank you for being here tonight. What a joy to see you in the house of God. We had a great Wednesday night last Wednesday night, didn't we? Wasn't that incredible? I don't want to feed on ashes, but I promise you, I enjoyed Brother Wells last Wednesday night. And I'm not offended at him because he didn't let me sing with him. Let me tell you how that went down. I did ask him, and he ignored me. He truly did. He ignored me. And so that was on Tuesday night, so I said, I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to push it because I might want him back. And if I, if, I'm, if I make him let me sing with him, he may never want to come back because I may mess up everything he's doing. And so I didn't get to sing with him. But am I hurt? No, I'm not hurt. I'm so excited because I get to preach to you all tonight, and he's over in Houston somewhere. He's not even here with you all. What a joy to have that privilege of preaching to you tonight. Now, I'm going to tell you about my life group. I'm forming a life group. I did I did one last semester. And it was on the Holy Spirit, and we had 54 people receive the Holy Spirit on the last night of it. What a night that was. And four, five, six more since then have because of that seminar. What a joy it was, and and thank you for being a part of that. But this semester, it's going to be exactly the opposite. I've I've got 20 seats on the 50-yard line to all the Horns games this year. They were a gift to me, and I'm going to choose 20 men. Who would like to be in that group? I'm telling a story. I don't have any tickets. Got you, got you. I don't have any tickets. Ah, ah, gotcha, gotcha. I don't have any tickets. Uh, wish I did though, right now, because I would, I would, I would call up people and and uh, I say, okay, it's now or never. Do you want to go? Yes. Okay. You're gonna get to go to this game. All right. That's the game you're going to get to go to. Now, do you want to go? You'll get to go to that game. I could take that. Well, they got six, seven games at home this year. I got to take a whole lot of people. You know, one day I may do that, folks. I may do that. We're, we're playing Alabama in 2022, and my son-in-law don't think that Texas can handle, with, can handle Alabama. But I think the horns can hook Alabama in two more years or four more years. I believe that. Surely Nick Saban will be retired by then, for crying out loud. Would you stand? You're awesome people, and I love you. Now, we're talking about grace. We're going to talk about grace, and and we're going to speak tonight about grace in an unlikely place. We're going to talk about how grace can show up in your life. And, And two weeks ago, we started this. We talked about when God speaks in an unknown tongue. We talked about the language of suffering and how God can handle that language and how God can speak our language when we're hurting and tonight, we're going to talk about grace in an unlikely place. Next Wednesday night, we'll conclude this series, and we're excited about it. I love to talk about the grace of God, and we're kind of talking about a different angle of it in these three lessons that I'm bringing to you. But what a joy. The Bible said the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, Amen. teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we shall live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. We're looking unto Jesus, and it an awesome thing. Isn't it an awesome thing to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart? I want you to turn to somebody and say, if you're new here, we welcome you. If you're not new here, good to see you again. Just tell somebody right there beside you. Amen. And you may be seated. God bless. You're awesome. I want to give honor to Nick and Francie Castro. Brother Nicholas and Sister Francie Castro had a little baby boy Tuesday a week ago. His name is Nicholas Israel, and Dad and Mom are happy. They had a little girl, and they got him a little boy. They got everything that God makes, and we're happy. He weighed seven pounds and six ounces. He's eight days old, and he's in the house of God tonight. That is so cool. And I gave Brandon a chance to announce this, but he told me to go ahead and do it tonight, so I'm going to do it. Brandon and Kara are proud parents of a little baby girl. They had a little boy. Now they got him a little girl. Olivia Rose is in the house. She's, she's not here tonight. She's in the hospital house. Last name Green, seven pounds and four ounces. And she was born Monday. And everybody's happy and everybody's healthy. Let's give these two great couples a wonderful hand. Brandon is our youth pastor. What a joy! What a joy. And Patty and I are expecting great things the rest of this year. Amen. It is a joy to have Patty in the house tonight. She's in the emergency room on Sunday. She's in the house tonight. Thank you for prayer. We love you. Let me talk to you. His name is Johnny Baker. He's one of the leaders of the alternative worship scene in emerging churches. He has some creative ideas of worship. And recently, he was working on an album. It's been a couple of years ago now that the project began from a picture of grace on a building in New York City. Is it showing? Is it showing? All right. No, grace on a building. There it is right there. Yeah. Stay with me. Then he asked people to send him pictures of the word grace appearing in strange places. One verse, they're sent him a photo of a florist using the word grace right there on the left-hand side. And then it came on the back of an 18-wheeler. It's a little small picture of the back of an 18-wheeler. Flip it on to the next picture, please. An 18-wheeler. All right. There it is on the left. That says Grace. And then that one's on a swimming pool, an old swimming pool there. And then, then the next one was a label on some hot sauce. Show me the hot sauce. Grace on that hot sauce. And then there is amazing grace on that bus stop sign right there. It's hard to see, but it's amazing grace. Isn't it amazing how many times grace can appear in your life Amen. at the most unusual places? For Johnny, it proves that grace has a strange way of appearing where we least expect it. C.S. Lewis called his biography, Surprised by Grace. Grace has a way of surprising us. In Genesis chapter 26, where we'll be talking from tonight, this single chapter is devoted to a man named Isaac. And Isaac is sandwiched between two more famous men, Abraham his father and his son Jacob or Israel. And Isaac's life is marked by a few triumphs and very many trials. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 1 through 3, then verse 12, it says, Now there was a famine in the land, Besides the previous famine in Abraham's time, another, another, in other words, another famine. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gera. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, watch what he said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. Verse 12, And Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold, because the Lord blessed him. Everybody say, God loves, me. God loves me. He does. God loves you. I talked about it on Sunday. He knew you in the womb. Before you breathed your first breath, He had a future planned for you. Before you repented, He came in the flesh to sacrifice His life for you. God loves you. Say, God loves me. me. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, David said. It seems so simple to wake up in the morning and look at the sun and think, wow, this is beautiful. Smile and say good morning. But you know what? Scientists to this day still don't know what causes a person to sleep and to awaken. And the networking of neurons that result in our sight and smell and thought and speech are too wonderful to imagine. We can distinguish hundreds of colors. We can discriminate as many as 10,000 smells. We can feel a feather when it brushes our skin, and we can hear the faint rustle of a breeze. And one human brain, folks, generates more electrical impulses in a single day than all the world's telephones put together. Our emotions, our attitudes, our sense of well-being are triggered by tiny part of the brain no larger than a walnut. Billions of neurons jam into this area, fearfully and wonderfully made, David said we were. But you know that God is good to us, don't you? He's a good God. He created man and gave man an environment in which to live. Just as each new day gives a fresh start to the world, God gives the human body the ability to rejuvenate itself. Now I want you to time this. Just kind of in your heart, don't count out loud, just kind of time this you ready? Start. In the time it takes me to say this sentence, 50,000 of our cells in our body will die and be replaced with new cells. Time's up. That's about 10 seconds. The one square inch of skin in our body, there are four yards of nerve fiber, 1,300 nerve cells, 3 million skin cells and three yards of blood vessels in one square inch of skin, 45 miles of nerves in the skin of the human body. And those nerves impulses take messages to the brain at 170 miles an hour. Every 2,000 frowns make a single wrinkle. Quit frowning and start smiling. You do know that God is good to you, don't you? You do know that. Your left lung is smaller than your right lung, so there's room for your heart to beat. Speaking of the heart, each hour your heart works hard enough to produce the equivalent energy to lift 2,000 pounds three feet into the air. It'll beat 40 million times in a single year. The average human body contains enough sulfur to kill all the fleas on an average dog, (laughs) and enough carbon to make 900 pencils, number two pencils, and enough potassium to fire a toy cannon. And enough fat to make seven bars of soap. And enough phosphorus to make 2,200 match heads. And enough water to fill an aquarium. The tooth is the only part of the human body that can't repair itself. Our bodies are creating themselves constantly. In fact, we can make a skeleton every three months. And new skin every month. His mercies, folks, are renewed every morning. He has great grace for you in time of need. Everybody say, God is good. But the enemy doesn't want you to believe this. He fights this knowledge. And most sin is a result of us believing that God has deprived us or he has forsaken us, that he has not been good to us. And the temptation has caused people to turn their backs on God. It caused Adam and Eve to believe the lie. It caused Esau to sell out. It caused Achan to try to take care of himself. It caused Gehazi to run away from promises. And it caused Jonah to rebel and Elijah to nearly give up. Let's get it straight. In the best of times, God is good. But in the worst of times, he is still good. Hallelujah. Boy, I feel like teaching this tonight. Help me not to preach, God. Isaac was an obscure man in Scripture. He was the only son of the aged Abraham and Sarah. Abe was 100. Sarah was 90 when he was born. He was the one almost sacrificed in Genesis 22, and the one who waited nearly 40 years of age to marry. Much of Isaac's life is a reflection of his father Abraham's life. That's the way it is with kids. Abraham had to leave his birthplace, and so did Isaac. Abraham's wife came from Mesopotamia, and so did Isaac's. Abraham almost lost his wife, and so did Isaac. The Philistines were envious of Abraham, and so they were envious of Isaac. Abraham remained childish for a very long time, and so did Isaac. Abraham had one righteous son and one wicked son, and so did Isaac. And finally, Abraham was tested, and so was Isaac. As the oral law of the Jews said, everything that happened to Abraham also happened to Isaac. In both their lives, famine came upon the land. Say famine came. In everybody's life, folks, famine will come into your life. It won't always be green pastures and green grass. Abraham went to Egypt to ride out the famine. And at first, it seemed like Isaac would mirror the same example of his father. May I say what I feel on my heart. Children that you have, for better or for worse, will go through many of the same things that their parents did. And Isaac Repeats the same lessons that his father did. This is why it's so important as Abraham did to leave behind some wells and some altars for the next generation. You know what you do when you leave a well behind? You leave this right here. Praise and worship to an almighty God. For out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water and there ought to be some praise in every one of us. There ought to be some springing up of wells in every one of us. We need to teach our children how to worship God. Come on, help me. We need to teach our kids how to praise the name of the Lord. We need to teach our kids how to magnify his name that's above every name. We need to tell our children, this is the way. Walk ye in it. And we also need to leave behind some altars. We need to leave behind some altars. Altars are a wonderful place of dedication, commitment, consecration, saying I will do this no matter what happens in my life. I will walk this journey. I will make this happen in our marriage. I will make our lives be worthwhile because I'm going to have an altar in my life. I'll have a place to dedicate myself and give myself to God. And if you don't have that altar, you need that altar in your life. You need it. Not only do you need the rejoicing of of, of wells, you need an altar of commitment that says, God, whatever you need in my life, I will give it. Come on. For the sake of seeing my children have the best that they could have in my life. Amen. (laughs) Markers of success. Records of victory. Testimonies of God's provision. We don't just fight for today. We fight for tomorrow. And a famine gripped the land in Isaac's day. And Isaac did what his dad did before him, or as Jacob would do after him. He journeyed toward Egypt, when suddenly God appeared to him and said, Stop. Stop. Stay where you are. God broke the pattern seen between Abraham and Isaac. God shows us that there's no set formulas in the life of faith. He doesn't want you leaning on collective wisdom of prior generations necessarily. He wants to have a relationship with you like he had with prior generations. I can't live on mom and dad's religion. I can't live on my grandparents' faith. I must have my own faith in my own life. And every man, woman, boy, and girl in this house needs to have a commitment to God for themselves. He wants to speak to you and you hear him. He wants you to talk with him and he will hear you. Everybody say, Lord, I want to have a personal relationship with you in this hour. Say amen to that. God doesn't want to be a box on your checklist. He doesn't want your one-hour prayer charts. He wants you to get lost in His presence. He doesn't want your pat answers to life questions. Get some heavenly wisdom, not just common sense. Oh, common sense works wonderfully, but you need some heavenly wisdom also. He doesn't want to be a part of your life. He wants to be your life. He don't want to be your map, but your map maker. He doesn't want to be your to-do list. He wants to make your to-do list. So Isaac heard from God. There was a famine. And he started to mirror his father Abraham's actions. And he began to travel down toward Egypt. Then God said, stop. Stop. Don't go there. Don't go to Egypt. He said, sojourn here. Stay right here. Here. Where is here? Here is in the midst of famine in the land possessed by the Philistines. Here is in the midst of famine in a land possessed by the Philistines. Everybody say here. 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 First point I want to preach tonight is God uses unlikely places. Grace shows up in some mighty unlikely places. When God stopped Isaac... He was in a place called Gerar, G-E-R-A-R. It means lodging place. It was on the very edge of Palestine and was occupied by the Philistines. And the same place that had been a source of contention for his father Abraham, God said, don't do what he did. Don't go to Egypt. Stay right here. I'm going to bless you right here. I'm going to bless you in a famine I'm going to bless you in a country that's overrun by fierce Philistines and I'm going to bless you in a place that's filled with memories of past failures of your dad. Don't you worry about where you are. You worry about who's walking with you. Ah, Ah. I will declare to you I can stand anything if I know God's with me. I can stand anywhere if I know God's walking with me. help me preach we all want the finest fields and the greenest pastures but what I want is the greatest God in my life no matter where I am give me that God factor that I can stand anything and everything and build something right here in this place say amen to that wow wow so God seems to say I'm like I'm like working my will best in unlikely places. We seem to forget this about God sometime that he's the one who likens himself to a root out of dry ground. He's the one who works when the night is darkest. David called it night sands on a harp. He walks on the water in the fourth watch of the night, the darkest part of the night. He clutches victories from the jaws of defeat. And he allows circumstance to help shape his will and to frame his glorious power. Stay in the land, he told Isaac. Don't run off. But God, there's famine here. The sky is empty. There are no clouds. It kind of reminds us of Boston, doesn't it? (laughs) The well has gone dry. Lake Travis is no longer a lake. It's now a cotton patch. They're going to plant cotton out there. The job situation doesn't look good. The gas prices are getting higher. The house price and taxes are going up. Stay in the land. Stay in the land. Say it with me. Stay in the land. land. Our marriage is getting rough. God, my friends have deserted me. There's friction on my job. There's problems with my family. Stay in the land. Don't run from it. Naomi did. When there was a famine in the house of bread at Bethlehem, which means house of bread, they ran off to Moab. And she came back to Bethlehem later because the famine was over. And she said, don't call me anymore, Naomi, but call me Mara, for the Lord had dealt bitterly with me. This is good. The Bible predicts a day when there will be a famine, not of food nor of water, but of hearing the word of God. Can I preach to somebody here tonight? That no matter where you are in your life, if it's famine, if it's Philistines, and if if it's memories, you hang on because the God that can come to you in that famine is greater than any famine, than any failure, than any Philistine that would come against you. God, oh, somebody help me preach right now. God is greater. Oh, I I gotta skip a little bit. God is greater than anything that's against you. He is greater. I'm not going to preach long. I just hope I preach good. He's greater. Many times people run from the famine because they've not heard a word from the Lord. It's a word from God that can keep you when time gets tough. God says, stay here. I will be with you here. I will bless you here. See, facts, folks, aren't always the truth. But God says, stay in the land, stay. He's telling you, I will be there with you. And all the facts, what you see, hear, taste, smell, feel, and understand, does not stop God. God moves in the unlikeliest of places. Amen. He takes Amos from the sheepcoat. He found David in the back pasture. He met Moses in a desert. He rendezvoused with an Ethiopian in a chariot. He finds Job in a trial. He embraces Hebrew children in a fiery furnace. He meets Daniel in a lion's den. He works in surprising places. Isaac received this word. Someone here needs to receive a word. When you're in a famine and Philistines are around you and you're remembering failures from your past, stay where you are. Because the God that's with you telling you that is going to bring you out of the famine and out of the Philistines' hold, hallelujah, and out of the failures of the past because the God is bigger than anything you're standing on. Come on, clap your hands real big for that. That's good. Everybody say, God uses unlikely places. So what did Isaac do? Genesis 26 and 12, then Isaac sowed in that land. My second point is simply this. You need to learn how to sow in desperate times. Isaac heard from God. He received a word of prophecy, a nail in a sure place. He acted on that word. That's what you call obedience. And to obey is better than sacrifice. In fact, the Jews say that this is why Isaac's name was not changed. I'm going to give you some little history here right now. His father's name was changed from Abram to Abraham. His son's name was changed from Jacob to Israel. But Isaac's name was not changed. And the Jews say because he obeyed the word from the Lord in his most desperate time, instead of running, he sowed. Maybe Reed was on to something tonight. Maybe some of you need to sow some things in the house of God. Maybe you need to sow some prayer, some time. Maybe you need to get in a life group. Maybe you need to get into something that is greater than anything you've ever done in your life. Maybe you need to step into a new dimension with God in your heart and life. I'm preaching to you right now. The reason he didn't get a name changed because he hung in there and sowed in the time of famine right where God said to sow. Each handful of seed. He had to ignore what his eyes were telling him. This is what faith. Looks like, and what it took in faith. He had to walk by faith and not by sight. I sometimes look at our church and I wonder how we're going to go from this state to the next state, from this ram rung to the next rung. And I've done it for 28 years in this church. How's it going to happen? How's it going to do it? Many times God has spoken to me and said, "This is how you do it. Just do this and do this." And we have done it. But we're at we're at a place right now that we're fixing to have a breakout like we've never had in our life. And I don't mind telling you, I stand here in this pulpit trembling many times because I can't do this. But I know a God that can do this. I can't. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't. I can't do this. Don't say, Pastor, do something. I'm doing all I can. But I can't do what God wants to do for this church. But if I can get some people that are in famine in your life and Philistines are fighting you. And failures reminding you of what you were. And you say and look at them and say, You know what? I don't care what I'm standing on. I'm telling you who I'm standing with. I'm standing with a God that's going to heal my family, going to heal the famine, going to heal my failures, and going to give me a future. Stay in the land. God my mind wrestles people are busy tired they don't want to sacrifice God says stay in the land and don't just stay there he said so put tomorrow's promises in the dry ground today and plant some dreams and sink some roots and trust in God he's the Lord of the harvest even during a famine I'm going to pastor now for about two seconds and I'm going to get back to preaching. It's time to quit dating God. And it's time to say, I want to marry you. It's time to quit saying, I still want my Saturday nights. Huh? But I love you on Sunday. If he's a God on Sunday, he can be your God on Saturday night. If he's a God on Sunday, he can be your God on Friday night. It's time for you to quit dating God and start loving God like you've never loved him in all your life. You have got what it takes to turn people around in your world. I can win people in my world, but I can't win them in your world. But you have got what it takes to touch people in your world. And I'm telling you, if God could turn us all on to planning right here, even though we're in a famine and we're among the Philistines and we're talking about past failures in our life, we could still turn this city upside down for Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you think I've lost my mind, but I'm not near where I can get. How I say, he can bless us. Can bless. When the circumstances seem cursed, when things look bleak, just keep sowing. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Obey God. and It's doing the best things in the worst of times. It's going for the gold when your heart feels like lead. It's reaching for the prize when you feel like you're in last place. Get up. And so, so, so. I will apply myself again. I will reach out to someone, I will help somebody else. I will not lose the sight of the fact that God is good. I will hold to His word. I will sow in the time of famine. And if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly, but if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. So everybody say, Isaac sowed in the famine. And then 26 and 12 said, Isaac sold in that land and received in the same year. You listen listen to me. In the same year, a hundredfold. There ought to be people up right now clapping their hands saying, oh, God, I want some of that hundredfold stuff. I want some of that hundredfold stuff. (laughs) And God blessed him. And the Lord blessed him. Grace yields the unlikely. Grace in an unlikely place. The Bible says he reaped the same year a hundredfold. In the same year that he sowed the first year, the same year of hearing God's voice, in the same year of choosing to obey God's voice, in the same year of choosing to stay in the unlikely place, God gave him, everybody say, a hundredfold. I got to hurry. Do you remember what Jesus said about the good ground in the parable of the sower and the four souls? you remember? Matthew 13, he said, But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Everybody say, you know, I can take some of that thirty. I can wear out that sixty, but that hundredfold, oh my God, that was first. He named that one first. What he's saying was, that's what I want to give you the baddest. I want to give you the best, the baddest. I want to. G- I don't know if that rhymes. That makes sense. <laughs> But I want to give you the very best. He didn't say 30, 60, 90, 100. He said 100, 60, 30. I want to give you the top of the litter. I want to give you the best. I want to give you the cream of the crop because I love you that much. Does anybody know God loves you that much? It's not where you're standing. It's who you're standing with. It's not what you're fighting. It's who you're fighting with. It's not what's around you. It's what's in you. Come on. God is for us and God loves this church. And when a person opens up his heart to God and God's word, his heart becomes a fertile place for the Lord to show grace. He ended up with a hundred times more than he started. But pastor, plants need water to grow. And there was a famine. Where'd the water come from? Here we go. I'm closing. Isaac in the same chapter digged again the wells of his father. I, I, I got to share this. We didn't get here. We didn't get here without the Holy Spirit. We're here because of the Holy Spirit. He has brought us to this time. The Holy Spirit has been in this house for a long time. And we cannot go on. You can't finish in the flesh what you started in the Spirit. And we can't get to have church so good that we don't need the Spirit. Amen? And what it took to get us here, it's going to take to get us on. But he wants to give us a hundredfold blessing. And what we need to do is start digging again some of the wells that our fathers have dug. Wells of consecration. Wells of commitment. And wells of saying, you know what? Church is not going to be my fifth choice on Sunday. It's not going to be an option on Sunday. It's going to be what I'm going to do on Sunday. And the house of God is going to be my place of rest. And the word of God is going to be the thing that I'm going to feed on. And the spirit of God is what I'm going to entertain in my life. Can somebody help me preach right now? I'm giving you something. We've got to redig those wells. We've got to redig those wells in our life. And the Bible said he dug a well at Essex, and the Philistines strove against him. There was contention, so he went to Sitna, and he dug another well there at Sitna, his his father's well, and they they strove against him there, and he said, Huh, whatever you can do, you can have those. I'm going to go dig one of my own. He went to Rehoboth, and he dug one, and there was no contention because he decided that not only am I going to dig my father's wells again, I'm going to dig one for myself. See, see. Egypt used the Nile River to irrigate all their crops. And that's why people fled to, Isra- to Egypt when there was a time of famine in Israel. But Israel had wells. And let me tell you something. If you can dig your, 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 your forefathers' wells, if you can dig Essek again and Sitna again, and they strive with you and say, yeah, you're just trying to be like them, why don't you go over here to Rehoboth and say, you know what? I'm going to dig this one for me. This is my well. And you're not going to take my well. You may claim that one because you covered it up from my father, but you're not going to cover up my well. And you know what that well is? That's your own praise. It's not somebody handing something down to you and say you ought to clap your hands and you ought to lift your hands. You ought to worship God. You need to find your own way of magnifying the Lord at your own well. Are you with me tonight? You see, you need to have a Rehoboth in your life. You need to have a well that says, hey, this is not my father's. This is not my grandfather's. This is mine. And I'm going to water what I have planted here by something that I have done. And some of us need to get our hands in the air. We need to magnify God. We need to praise him with everything that's in our heart because we need to dig our own well of praise. Come on, clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. He brought a lesson learned from his father into the situation. Isaac heard from God. Isaac obeyed God. But he broke with the tradition of his father. He sowed in desperate times. He did what was not being done. He irrigated with well water of his own will, and Isaac overcame resistance he refused to be discouraged he refused to be drawn into strife you can say it like this Isaac's life came into being by the word of God and here's what I want to tell you in closing whoever's helped me tonight Randy's gone on vacation he's gone for about four months no I'm teasing that again I'm teasing there too he's gone for a week they went to San Francisco today let's wish him well alright All right. love Randy and Sherry Brother David, I guess that's you, Ann. Whatever, whoever. How you doing, David? You got anything you want to play? Amazing Grace, all right. Sounds good. David and I hadn't worked together. I love David. David's good. He can play a harp. Isaac must have thought, God, if you could bring me into a world by a promise, then you will sustain me by the word. You brought me into the world by a promise. You will sustain me by your word. And First Peter says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which lives and abides forever, for all flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man as a flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower thereof fadeth, falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. You need to hear the word of the Lord. You need to triumph over any situation by the word of the Lord. Everybody say grace Grace." can come in an unlikely place. It can come in famine with Philistines and failures of past members. It can come. It can come. And if it can show up there, it can show up anywhere. Grace that I preach tonight can come in an unlikely place. Now, here's what I want to tell you. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know. I don't know where you are but I do know one thing it's past my quitting time that's one thing I know but I know something else here's what I know that you can get in a famine sometime quicker than you think you can and I've told you how to get out of it tonight don't flee to Egypt stay where you are and plant and plant in the ground and then go dig you a well to water that seed your praise, your thanksgiving, is the water that will plant and that will water that 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 ground. And then just watch God give you a blessing over and over again. You know, here, here's what I want to tell you. I preach a, a pretty simple gospel. I really do. I'm not, I'm not what you call deep, deep, deep. But Jesus wasn't either. He, he talked about a seed falling in the ground. He wasn't deep. He could talk to kids and they could understand him. And I love the fact that. Sometimes we can take complex things and make them simple so that people can understand because I need it simple in my life. Somebody just tell me what I need to do. Here's what I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You don't need to run when things are not good. Stay where you are. Make church a priority. Make Jesus the Lord of your life like never before. Dig a well. Plant a seed. And watch God give you. Watch God give you. Watch God give you. An awesome victory in your life. I know a pastor used to be in California. He's no longer there. But after prayer one day, God told him to go to a certain town called Bakersfield. And he went to Bakersfield to buy property near the airport. And after much prayer, he determined that there was 100 acres there by that airport that he could get for about $300,000. This was years ago. He went, found it. And then a highway came through, and that property became worth $50 million. Because when you do what God asks you to do, God's going to make a way where there is no way. I close with a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King tonight. He said, take the first step of faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. And the first step is don't run. Don't run. Don't flee to Egypt. Stay where you are. All of us go through famines. All of us go through times of want and need. Don't don't, don't flee. Plant here. Sow here. Then go dig a well and water it. and Watch what I can do in one year in your life. Have me believe that this time next year, God can have you on the other side of glory. Not this side, but the other side. Come on now. Come on now. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. But God can turn your mourning into dancing. He can turn your sadness into into joy. He can do that because grace can show up in a very unlikely place. Would you stand all over the house? I love you. I love you. Won't you clap your hands for the word tonight and for God touching your life tonight? Amen. That's good.